we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. And we pick it up in verse 20. But when you see, he says this, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that, it is, that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles, or that is the non-Jewish people, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So in this next stage of the Levite Discourse, as Jesus is talking, he progresses from this uh, indefinite age that we live in to a very specific uh, events that happened shortly, you know, within the generation of his departure, the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting and tricky is it's really, there's two elements of this because Jerusalem was destroyed. Between 66 and 70 AD, Titus and the 12th Roman Legion came in to Israel, conquered the Galilean region, then besieged Jerusalem, and had such a, a, a challenging time with the Jews, and were just so frustrated with them and whatnot that when they actually broke their will, broke through, they did literally remove not one stone upon another of the Temple Mount, and they destroyed it. They destroyed Jerusalem, and thus some Jews fled to Masada, the famous story of Masada. Over a million died, and well over, by Josephus' account, the historian, over 100,000 went into captivity. We do know that was the end of the Jewish nation, as it was understood at that time. And unlike any other nation previously, they were dispersed for, you know, 18 centuries. And they were dispersed all over the world. Uh, I read a really good book once about the history of the Jewish people throughout the centuries, all throughout the world. They literally were taken captive as Jewish people. Now, remember, they're an ethnic people group. So they're an ethnicity, plus they're a religious belief, too. So they had that Old Testament covenant with God under the Mosaic covenant, which is the Old Covenant. And they were ethnically a people of an ethnic background. So when they were taken captive... And that generation was taken captive for the rejection of Christ when they said, crucify, crucify, will not have this man rule over us. They, Jerusalem was destroyed. They were scattered. And unlike any other people group, they actually maintained their identity, dispersed among the nations, as the Bible said they would, many prophecies of this. And then unlike any other people group, 18 centuries later, they began to come back to their motherland and became an issue for the UN because... Um, 
even before the time of the League of Nations, after World War I and the UN after World War II, was the Jewish question where the Jewish people of ethnic background all over the world and been persecuted in Russia and Europe and these different places and that they desired a homeland. And they even talked about trying to establish a homeland in Ethiopia and these other places, if you know your Jewish history. But they wanted their homeland to be their true homeland. And against all odds, in 1948, uh, being surrounded by five Arab armies that sought their destruction, they became a nation once again and under with UN support and not allowed to have any weapons prior to the day that the British mandate left. They were controlled by the British. It was a capital punishment for a Jew to be caught with a firearm prior to the Jewish to the British departure from Palestine in 1948. So when the British mandate ended and the UN uh, resolution went into effect, recognizing Palestinian territories and Jewish territories because they lived by villages throughout what is now modern Israel, that immediately all the Jews were attacked by the five nations around them, and they, they had uh, the only weapons they had to defend themselves once that UN resolution went into place were the weapons they hid at the risk of capital punishment under British control. So against all odds, Israel was birthed again as a nation. Because if you notice, it says in verse 24 that Jerusalem would be trampled by the Gentiles, which it was by Titus and his 12th Roman legion. But he said, until the times are fulfilled. And it says in verse 24 that they'd be led away captive into all nations. So that's not the end of the world. That's not the end of the age. See, this, this, this reading is different than Matthew's reading of a similar event. Now, here's where it's important that you stay with me. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. They did go away by the sword. They did go into captivity. And it's all there with extra biblical records that it happened. They did come back 18 centuries later. 19 centuries later, became a nation again. And this day... On January 26, 2019, the Star of David flies over Jerusalem and the United States recognizes it as the capital of the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. That is against all odds of just, you can't even find a measuring rod to measure that by for this, the sustaining of a people group, an ethnic people group. There's nothing even remotely close in human history that we know of, even remotely close to that. You think of the Incas, the Aztecs, and the, the Ming Dynasty, and all these different things that came and went. They were scattered for 18 centuries. They maintained their ethnicity, their genealogies. They, 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 when we put our King James Bible, comes, the Old Testament comes from the received text of the Jewish scribes. They preserved it, and they came back. And we're told by the prophets that them coming back into the land is a fulfillment of great prophecies that the land that was dead would bring forth and the, and the desert would blossom and, and they're the third largest exporter of the world, the flowers and produce in that piece of land the size of Southern California. So God's word has been confirmed. And God said, put me to the test. I'll show you I'm God because I'll tell you things that happen before they happen. And Israel is the greatest testimony of that. And I mentioned this, of course, last week in the message as well, the testimony of the nation of Israel. But Jerusalem was destroyed, and this text records for us what happened with the destruction of Jerusalem and the second temple in 70 AD. However, we know in looking at scripture that it's a prelude, it's a type, it's going to happen again, because there'll be a third temple built in harmonizing scripture, and the Antichrist, who is to come, who will control the world economic system and through all intelligence and data and so on and so forth, with all the power of the devil, 
He will bring that false world peace, which is what the world is looking for, of course, real peace, but it's going to get the false world peace. It's the white horse in, a, in the book of Revelation, chapter 6. It's a deceiving peace. And the world will say, peace, peace, and then suddenly destruction comes upon them. And most, you know, not most, but many would conject that he will bring peace by getting the Muslims, the Christians, more the Catholic element of Christianity that's represented there in Jerusalem, and the Jews together, and that these monotheistics or beliefs in one God religions, by bringing them together, that it'll bring a world peace. And the only way that's going to happen is if somehow the Jews can rebuild their temple on what is now known as the Temple Mount next to the El Aus Mosque above the Western Wall there in Israel to this day. The Western Wall is a remnant of the base of the original Second Temple, but it's not the temple. The temple was above that where the El Aus Mosque is right now, okay? And that's controlled by the Palestinian Authority. It's 24 acres. And the Jews, the religious Jews, are adamant to rebuild the temple up there as their central place of worship. So it would stand to reason, and we know they will build a third temple, because the Antichrist will go into that third temple and claim to be God. And that's known as the abomination of desolation, as prophesied by Daniel in the Old Testament. So in the future, this happened in the past, and the Jews were scattered, and Jerusalem was trampled under a foot. It happened. This is past tense. And there was great distress in the land, and it was a terrible thing. And it is the time of the Gentiles, because right now, the Temple Mount is still controlled by the Gentiles, the Palestinian Authority. However, that's going to come to an end at some point. That temple's going to be rebuilt. Pastor Chuck used to teach with certainty from his own convictions that the Church of Jesus Christ will never see the temple rebuilt. He believes that when Jesus Christ comes for his church and was known as the rapture, he takes the church out of the world, and that puts in motion the seven-year period by which all these things begin to happen with the false peace and the Antichrist coming to power and out of Europe, harmonizing the world, global, uh, the you know international monetary system, all that stuff, all is one, pseudo-world peace, and then... The Jews go for it as well that are in the land at that time. And then when he goes in the temple, three and a half years after the church is gone, three and a half years, halfway through the tribulation period, and says he's God, then the Jews, knows that the, the Jews know that they've been deceived and they reject that and it's all out craziness, which runs parallel with events for us in the book of Revelation and leads up to what Ezekiel prophesied in his book, which brings us to the Valley of Armageddon and the end game. So... Here's the key thought. When Jerusalem was destroyed the first time, that was one army, the Roman army, coming against the Jews to destroy Jerusalem and the second temple. When it happens the next time, it is the entire armies of the world coming together against the Jews to destroy them. And ultimately, it turns into a destruction of a war against God. And, and there in Revelation, when Jesus comes from heaven with the armies of heaven, he comes to that region, and that's the end of it. The Battle of Armageddon is the nations of the world, what's left on the planet. If you use the numbers in Revelation, it's still over a billion people on this planet coming together, literally going to fight God. And we see people fight God every day, right? So why would it surprise us that people are going to use all the armament they really think, especially under demonic delusion, that they're going to fight God and defeat God, the Lord of the universe? I just gave you a 10-minute explanation of what we call eschatology 
for end times, but it, it comes forth from this. But this happened in the past, but it will happen again. But in the future, it's the abomination of desolation that's the key that makes it distinct from this happening in the past. Because that, that, that's prophesied by Daniel in the Old Testament. And that's literally that abomination is when the Antichrist goes in the temple and says, I'm God. That is the abomination of desolation. And that is in the future. So for us, what we get to look forward to is the Lord coming for his church before these events. So we're in, it says right here that we're in the time of the Gentiles. And the time of the Gentiles is the church age. We are in that time. And this is our time to shine for the Lord. This is our time to be the kingdom of God. This is our time to love Jesus, serve Jesus, shine for Jesus, to let our light shine before men and, and to, to glorify Christ, to proclaim Christ. In fact, again, there's many things. The, the time of the Gentiles is the last 2,000 years of the church age. But as we get toward the end of the age, we know that certain things will happen, that many will depart from the faith. We know that the love of many will grow cold. There's lots of things the Bible says about the end of the age, but we know that the Antichrist, according to 2 Thessalonians, is restrained by the Holy Spirit working through the church. And it's not till the church of Jesus Christ globally is removed from this planet that the Antichrist is revealed to the world and he will deceive the world. And it tells us in 2 Thessalonians that God will allow the world to be deceived by him because they chose not to believe the truth through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of truth and we represent truth in the Gentile age. Truth is becoming very relative in this generation on a global level where people can't seem to, um, people are trying to redefine truth as they see it. And they're literally in the higher academic circles, uh, uh, people are trying to say like, well, this is my truth, that's your truth. But as Ben Shapiro says quite well, truth is absolute. Your opinion of it may vary, but truth is absolute and it does not change. And that's coming from a non-believer, Ben Shapiro. Truth is absolute, and Jesus is truth, and we have the truth, and we believe the truth, and we apply the truth, and that baby would never upset me because that's my granddaughter crying, so that's not going to throw me off at all. She can stay as far as I'm concerned, but we have the truth, and Jesus is truth, and that's not going to change. So in the age of the Gentiles, while Jerusalem's trampled by the Gentiles, we're, we live in truth. You shall know the truth, and truth will set you free. And so ours is to let the truth shine through our lives. And in this, in, in this age of false news, and it's unbelievable what we're seeing in our, in our timeline. It's like you, you wake up, it's like, this is like a science fiction movie. Like if we'd, made this, if we'd made our society a movie 10 years ago, we'd just be like, that's not even believable, because it's beyond 1984 or any movie like that. I mean, Clockwork Orange, it's, it's unbelievable. It's craziness. All the falsehood and the manipulation and the control of thoughts and, and, and now getting in trouble for how you look at somebody and, and, and then turns all the... Just it's craziness. Jesus is truth. We represent truth. And in the age of the Gentiles, we are ambassadors of truth. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I rejoice as a pastor that when I come to this church twice a week to teach the Bible, I'm teaching truth. I rejoice that when I read every passage possible going through the Bible, I've taught truth. I'm not teaching the opinions of men. I do take rabbit trails with the Joey rabbit trails occasionally. There's less of them because it's more work for me when I have to edit the study. I've gotten better, right? A little bit, you know? But it's really about the truth. This is truth. It's the whole counsel of God. So our application from Jerusalem being trodden down in the age of the Gentiles is 
Things are going to happen that God allows to happen in anyone's timeline. And it comes down to each one of us individually who we're going to be and how we're going to live our life in the midst of those things and not being thrown off by it, but being true to our faith and who we are. So we want to just stand in the truth, abide in the truth. It's the age of the Gentiles. And our hope is that Jesus Christ is coming for his church. And he said to be watching, to be ready. And he said that for the church, he could come at any moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we will not all die, but we'll be transformed. We'll be caught up to be at the Lord forever. And we're told there in 1 Thessalonians 4, that promise of Jesus coming for his church, catching up his church, that in chapter 5, it says he's not appointed the church for wrath. But in Revelation chapter 6, when, these, when the judgment really begins with the great tribulation, they say the wrath of the Lamb has come, and who is able to stand? The church is not appointed for wrath. And there's very good reason, and it's, it's the easiest route, and it's the simplest route to, to read biblically, that Christ comes for the church. And the church, he comes for the church, and he calls the church to himself in the heavenlies, and then he comes back seven years later with the church to establish the kingdom at the end of the age at the Battle of Armageddon. That's a, you could do a series on that, but because this is the context, I think it's important to frame all this and, and make clear that uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. It's the age of the Gentiles. It's the age of the church. And Jesus is going to come back for his church. And every generation has that hope in the church. And until he's done, he's, he's not done. And we stand in truth, we represent truth, and we don't surrender truth. Now we read on in verse 25. Jesus says this. And there, so now you know he's shifting from something that happened in 70 AD to something much broader than that. Now shifting to the end, end game, the end of the age. Because he says, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your head because your redemption draws near. And again, uh, when that seven year period unfolds, that last seven year period of human history as we know it in this age God renews that covenant with Israel. So let me take a detour on this just for a second. In the book of Daniel, God said exactly when the Messiah would come. When they would put forth the decree to rebuild the temple in the Old Testament, the first temple that was destroyed, when that decree went forth, it would be essentially 490 years until the Messiah would enter Israel, the Messiah, the King of the Jews, which is Jesus in his first coming. He literally came on that very day. It can be proven and present himself as their king. And they, you know, they said, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, all that. He, Jesus said, if you knew only this, your day, that was that day promise. But then in that Daniel prophecy about that day, it says, then the Messiah will be cut off. And there's, he's cut off with a seven-year period incomplete. There's a seven-year incomplete period for the nation of Israel with their Old Testament covenant with God. It's like it's on hold. Like when you say, oh, put that in a pigeonhole. Well, put that in a fall and wait for it. So that old covenant that God had with Israel, the Mosaic covenant, it was cut off for seven years. Christ dies on the cross, the church age, were the new and everlasting covenant. But when the church is taken out, then God pulls out that old file of seven years of unfinished covenant with the nation of Israel. And that's 
That's the great tribulation period. The Bible draws distinctions of the seven years, the three and a half years in increments within it, and the 1260-day increment as well. In Revelation, see, Jesus told the church, we do not know the day that he's coming. We need to be ready. He could come any moment, any hour. But in the book of Revelation, you can count the days, 1260, from the time the Antichrist goes in the temple with the abomination of desolation till Christ returns. But that's for Israel. The church is any moment watching, waiting. So in this panoramic view of the end times, when you get near the very end, and we talked about the earthquakes and the wars and the rumors of wars and all that stuff last week, by Matthew's account, it seems to amplify that. So during that seven-year period of the Great Tribulation, there seems to be an amplification of things leading just the end of the age. Like, think of everyone just like, like this, like the whole planet's like that. And things are amplifying toward the end of the age but particularly at the very end of the age in that tribulation period, the signs in the sun, the moon and the stars. And it says in verse 26 that the powers of heaven will be shaken, which is what the book of Revelation describes as well. And then it says on earth, men's hearts, uh, distress of nations and men's hearts failing them. So there are two signs that deal with the very end of the end of the age, leading up to it, maybe events before the tribulation period, certainly during the tribulation period. And it is signs in the celestial realm and signs on earth. So the signs in the celestial realm, this is very consistent with scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Things are going to happen with our sun as it's perceived from planet earth that's going to be different. The sun is going to go through changes, and it's going to be different. That's why a lot of of end-of-the-world movies always have something to do with the sun, right? Because it's biblical. Things are going to be different with the moon. The moon. Now, these 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 two gravitational planets, they affect everything we do. They affect our tides. It affects, you know, God set it up like a clock. And, and those two things, the sun and the moon, which both serve their purpose in how God set up his universe and made this planet the crown jewel of the entire universe because you are the crown jewel of this universe. Jesus died for you on this planet. And the sin of our father Adam on this planet affects the entire universe as far out as the indefinite universe goes. And there's going to be signs. And it says there that powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, there are things that fall from the heavens in the book of Revelation and hit the earth and cause great, massive, cataclysmic destruction. Like, you know, there's all those movies. We've seen the movies like Asteroid. Didn't didn't Bruce Willis try and save the the planet once, you know, in a movie in the 90s, you know, going out to this asteroid, whatever. Like, these things that, that men fear and make movies about, they come from a biblical base, Joey, what are you saying? I'm saying the whole, the whole outer space is going to change at the end of the age as it affects this planet, because it says it right here. Jesus said it. Signs in the sun, the moon, and the powers of heaven. It's going to be in the stars. So all this clockwork that you can see with outer space, as we can see it with Hubble and all this technology we have, there are going to be radical things at the end of the age up there. They're going to be signs. But on earth... The sign is a little more one that we can lay hold of. 
Look at that detail, distress of nations with perplexity. Now, the human experience is choppy at best, in its best century, at its best decade, at its best time. But distress of nations with perplexity, it, there's no way out. It's like trying to build a puzzle and you don't have all the puzzle pieces. It's like a Rubik's Cube with colors that don't match up. This perplexity of nations means there's no way out. That in the end of the age, that these these it literally means a quagmire, that the nations as we know them, so all the best efforts of the UN or any other global governments, and that's what's going to make the Antichrist so appealing, is he will seem appear to resolve these issues when he comes on the scene. But I do believe leading up to the, those issues, we're going to see perplexity of nations on a level incomprehensible. Now, you look at the immigration crisis on a global scale right now. Forget our situation. Let's just talk Europe. They have perplexity of nations because for 2,000 years, or for 1,500 years, 1,300 years, the worldview between Islamic North Africa and Christian Dome Western Europe are totally incompatible. And now it's all merged together. And there's perplexity of nations. I mean, look at the crisis of Europe right now. Look how Poland and Hungary have their, their borders and they, they, they're, not get, they're not playing the game with Merkel and the Germans and the EU and what they want to do. Look at England trying to leave with Brexit, and, but then that ties up all these complexities with Northern Ireland that create issues for trade. And you just like, it is perplexity of nations. You got Venezuela and what they're going through right now and like, we're saying we support the other guy. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.